Nation. Welcome back in to the Buffs Nation podcast. I can't believe we're here. I mean, I can't believe it's been an off-season. We're back. Buffs are back. I'm Tyler Walgie. Jared all as always. Producer Ryan. Guys, Buffs football right around the corner. Are you excited? I'm so excited. Such a different feel than last year. I think here's the thing. It feels like we haven't done this in in two years because last year with COVID, everything, we only did a show once a month. So for the first time in a while, we're back, excited for a full season of Buffs football, and uh, let's go. And you guys remember when we opened the season last year doing this show, we had such mixed feelings. We didn't know what was going to happen. Was there going to be a season? Wasn't. I think when when we did the first show last year, the season wasn't going to happen, well, and all of a sudden it did. That, that's the unfortunate thing is we're kind of getting back to the point where there's now this whole third wave thing, and I'm going, oh, no. If they mess with my Folsom tickets again, my season tickets, and, and I can't go again this year, heads will roll. Something bad's going to oh, happen. no. I think after last year's experience, they won't stop football. Football will keep rolling know. on. If no, we learn one thing from last year, football will roll yeah, football on. Football will go on, but maybe not us in the stands. And all of us here, for those new to the sure. show, all season ticket holders. We have been for quite some time. So, uh, Ryan, producer Ryan, how you been? How's your off season? Doing good, Tyler. We are uh, finally back in the studio, and uh, yeah. it feels like just riding a, riding a bike again. Maybe a unicycle. You know, it takes a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Did you know I know how to ride a unicycle? No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> My uncle taught me when I was a kid. Okay, well, you at one come up point before? knew how to ride a <laughs> unicycle, but is it the same thing? Yeah, that's not, it's like, not like riding a bike. It's just like riding like, a unicycle. Like, you it. never forget that or like... Well, it's it's only got one wheel, so it's half as difficult. What? Over over <laughs> under over out. under five tries and bad falls before you actually successfully ride. Oh, I'd quit after three. Okay. It'd be over, yeah. You know, one of my skills in college was when we would finish a keg... I was really good at balancing on top of that and just sort of navigating myself around the house on the keg by rolling around like a circus freak. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, that's what I learned in college. <laughs> that's what the extent of my college days were. I'm sure you'll, your parents love hearing about that. <laughs> exactly. But uh, it's our first show back. And for the Buffs Nation podcast, I believe usually we don't start till the middle of August, late August. So we have a couple more shows than we typically do preseason. So here's what it's going to look like the next few shows. Today, we're just going to get our feet wet, some off-season talk, bring everyone back into the mindset of college football and Colorado football. Go over some transfers, some big names that left, unfortunately, and some big names coming in, and let you know what this overall season should look like. The schedule, again, a general overview of the roster. Next couple shows. Next week, we'll do an entire offensive preview. Week after that, an entire defensive preview. And so, look, if you keep listening up until game one, you're going to be ready to go, You know, fully knowledgeable, everything A to Z with this Colorado Buffaloes team. But I do want to start kind of where we left last year, and the transfer portal is now, I would say, the most important way to accumulate players in college football. For decades, and you, you guys can disagree with me here, but for decades, it was always you want to be a top recruiting class, have that top 10 class, and then build it up over two, three years, and then build talent up. Now, it seems like... Even these school, I mean, yes, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, but even CU, Arizona State, you know, teams of the Pac-12, 
a lot of their starters are transfers. A lot of these guys contributing will to be transfers. Say, to say it's the most important way, I think that's an overstatement. I, I think it's becoming a very important factor, and that's something that I actually think Carl Durrell's experience in the NFL gives him a little bit of an advantage over a guy that's spent his time primarily in college because he understands the sort of free agency nature of the transfer portal, and it's something he's been very successful with and I think aggressively approached where a lot of coaches are kind of a little timid, a little bit afraid to go that route so uh, aggressively, but you're seeing it more and more and I don't I won't be surprised especially with the the name and Im- uh, name well, and image and that's like a big deal. now being but, but it's going to change. It's going to keep growing. It's going to grow, it's going to greatly evolve. I mean, money's going to become a factor here, but I think money or not, what's going to happen with transfers? It's going to become like college basketball to where all these big programs are just reloading every year and if you ask coaches Coaches would prefer to have a guy who's played college for two, three years, even in JUCO, rather than an 18-year-old kid coming and playing. So, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it's well, it's just think about the way your body went from 18 to 20. I mean, not you, Tyler, (laughs) because I don't think you've gained a pound since you're about (laughs) 14. But I mean, for most of us, I mean, from when you're 18 to when you're 22, you're a completely different person. Yeah, exactly. Hey, don't be jealous because your metabolism slowed down last like every 10 years. (laughs) Yeah, just like 20 pounds just drops on you. But uh. No, it's it's uh look for CU to be able to now be in the conversation because Colorado has donors and Colorado I think will be able to compete with money and paying players in the NIL. So that's one part of it, you know, but I do believe that getting players in, getting these older guys who know, you know, what big time football is like, who are smarter, bigger, stronger, faster, that's what coaches are going to look for. So, let's look at some players who left CU. Now we're going to start off with the the downside of things, and it's a part of it. You're going to bring guys in. You're also going to lose some players. First name, we all know Sam Neuer leaving. And I think when I first heard this, I wasn't shocked. You know, this this is, you're going to give the, the keys to Brennan Lewis or JT Shroud, depending on who wins the job. But that's, I think, the consensus that most fans wanted. It was time to move on. Another year of Sam Neuer. Would have been nice for Neuer, but not this program. So my first reaction was, good for Sam. Hope he finds somewhere he can play. Obviously, that's Oregon State. Which I actually think is a great place for him to land. Uh, they, they have I would have preferred not former, to be in the Pac-12. I get it, but uh, and I'm slipping on his name right now, but CU's former quarterback coach, uh, I'll look it Lindgren, up. Brian Lindgren, oh, yeah. is there, I believe, as OC. He's, so, he's also from that area. Yeah, well. it fits. It fits. And, I, you know, and, and, and like you said, good for Sam to, to have, you know, Find a spot. He's he's likely a starter. Yeah, it does suck. We're gonna face them, but you, you, you can't look it's, down it's on the guy. Fine. He wasn't look, gonna compete for the starting spot. See, you should be big favorites against yeah. Oregon State this year. Well, so. and I think we got exactly what um, what we needed out of Sam Neuer last year, and I'm not sure if his ceiling is too much higher than what yeah, we saw. Exactly. And I think that's yeah. a great point. What CU needed last year was a leader, and he was a leader. He was a good leader for that team. Okay, Antonio Alfano. Now, when I brought this up to Ryan, Ryan couldn't care less. It's like every other CU fan. Oh no, Alfano. It's like, yeah, whatever. This is a big deal because he's one of the rare five stars that CU's gotten recently. Defensive lineman. We were talking all about this guy. And he's going to play Juco. He's going to Indy Juco uh, to try and sort of 
get back in the conversation, you know, get either to a different college or back to where he can play. He was a bit of a disappointment, I'll say. There were the off-the-field issues. And I think that's um, a big part of it. I think he needs to get some things right off the field, and yep. I think this is a good move for him to step away from the spotlight where there's not so much but, pressure on him. I mean, as you mentioned, he's the first five-star CU's had in a long time. Is that a coincidence? a transfer. So, so I, and uh, again, for new listeners, I'm the biggest CU fan you'll come across. That's why we do this show. This is my favorite podcast to do. But I want to bring something up that may be uncomfortable to talk about for diehard CU fans. But part of what we do on this show is approach those tough to talk about things and try and create an environment where diehard CU fans can at least be realistic. Okay. CU, let's face it, they're not a habitual five-star recruiting school. We've done it by getting three, four stars, coaching them up, succeeding, and, and, and overperforming when CU has had success. Is it a coincidence? One of the, the only five-star we recently get has character issues and can't be dealt with. I promise you, Alabama, Auburn, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, even Michigan, these schools get all kinds of players who have character issues because guess what? I hate to generalize, but a lot of five-star players... Watch where you're going. (laughs) But a lot of five-star players do have character issues, and I'll just leave it at that. No, I'm not going any further. A lot of five-star players do have character issues. And you see coaches like Nick Saban take some players have real character issues and deal with it. And see, you couldn't do that. So the writing was on the wall when a guy like Nick Saban eventually parted ways with with, uh, Alfano as well because he was originally a part of Alabama, uh, transferred to CU... And it just the the foot so, was so, right. and that's why I think in part I actually feel the same way as Ryan does with that. That's like he was never anyone I was counting on on this roster until you know until I actually saw him in a uniform. He he never really, it was kind of always a dream. You and know, look for the point like. of Antonio Alfano himself, I get that. But as a whole, like if CU gets another five star with potential character issues, are they set up to kind of give him an environment to succeed? And that's my point. Right, and I th- I think specifically Alfano. I think um I think we have to be careful when we talk about character issues because. Um, I followed him on Twitter, and a lot of it wasn't necessarily, you know, traditional character issues. It seemed like he was homesick. Okay. It seemed like he was just very not in a good place mentally and personally, and I think that's why going to a JUCO is probably good for a guy yeah. like that to kind of grow up a little bit and, and, and be that way. But, but yes, I do understand where you're going with that point, Tyler, and um, I, I think it's it's a, it's a valid concern. Yeah, and I don't want to be too hard on CU, and it's never anything to be proud that you can, you know, house, you know. Uh, you know, people with character issues, things like that, but it's part of college football. Well, and it's a lot and of what these coaches to, pitch to mothers in living is. rooms you is know? that they they'll be that figure for their kids. So right. I, I think it is something that you you want to get the top the top kids. You have to understand what type of environment you have to provide them. Yeah. Either way, uh, Antonio Alfano, you know, not going to be a huge loss for the Buffs, but uh, he's gone. KJ Trujillo, he also left. He went to Wake Forest and. That was interesting because I thought he had a pretty good. Yeah, place one of the in more defense. surprising um, transfers for CU that we saw leaving CU yeah. because yeah, he seemed to have a, a spot, if not as an every down starter as the number one or number two corner somewhere within that secondary and nickel packages. Uh, really surprised. He he was a guy that was getting playing time as a freshman. That's what I'm saying. May, I thought he had then, a comfortable and I think spot some here. of these guys that you see transferring, a guy like Sam Neuer, a guy like KJ, KJ Trujillo, may be a sign of. CU's roster progressing and improving to a point where some of these guys that were getting time as freshmen, as sophomores, aren't aren't going to get time anymore because guys have surpassed them. Well, I've got a good example for you here. Again, on the defensive side, Akil Jones. 
You know, I mean, someone who Absolutely. I thought had a spot here, and and as we get to as we get to some of the guys that are transferring in, I think you'll see a, a, a part of the reason why Akil Jones may no longer be here because he may have seen his spot and his minutes slipping away. I think so too. Jaron Mangum, the running back, a little bit of a disappointment. He's now in South Florida. Darian Rakestraw. Defensive back, which who, who he was a guy mid-season good. actually announced that yeah. um, it was while he was injured in a way he had announced that. He's and, going and to Tulane, you know. He's playing that Tulane one. Really now. is another one that he he was kind of penciled in as a starter last year. I I, I think he would be the same this year. So right. again, then, uh, you never know what's going on behind the scenes. The biggest name, I think, at least in terms of production, Katie Nixon. Katie Nixon going to USC. And we will see him this season. Does so. that bother either of you guys? Yeah, it pisses me off. I it, it you know I, it's the competitive nature in me, and I'm sure that a lot of Pac-12 uh, uh, you know enthusiasts would say, hey, it's part of the game, and that's how things go. But I'm a Buffs fan, and I hate to see our yeah. one of our best receivers leave for because what the the idea is the the on talked about idea is you know the elephant in the room is he's leaving for greener pastures more of a, a path to the nfl which drives me crazy if there's anything that's been proven the last couple of years last decade it doesn't matter where you go if you're an nfl talent they'll find you and see you will put you in that position so i hated the move he could have been such a nice safety blanket for whoever gets the, the nod this year at quarterback it, it drives me crazy and i have to think a healthy katie nixon again is one of the top receivers for the buffs I, I i do think it's one of their deepest positions and you got a lot of young guys that need to get on the field but to see him not only leave that's fine again i get it it's it's a you kind of get that extra red shirt year almost with covid that you get that extra eligibility take advantage of it you want to do that but man usc yeah stays it's in like, division. it's kind of like a rival almost for cu yeah. i mean if you ever beat him you could call it a rival <laughs> but you know it just that's Things and I, I that one that one bothers me more than say a Sam Neuer going to Oregon State. But at least with Sam Neuer and uh, and, and Nixon, the Buffs know him. You know, know what they like, don't like sure. how to play him. So it'll be interesting when we do match up. All right, let's get to the good stuff. Who's coming to play in Boulder next season? And there's some really exciting names. Max Ray, offensive tackle, coming from Ohio State University. He's going to be an immediate impact. I think he's is he projected to start? Do you guys have? Yeah, the, I, yes, I've seen is. right tackle for him okay. mostly uh but we'll see where things end up through camp here yeah this is early no doubt about it and we're primarily using some of the phil Steele information for that but yeah max ray is going to be an immediate impact noah fenske iowa to colorado you notice a, a theme here these offensive linemen coming to see you from iowa from ohio state traditionally you know schools who get very very good offensive linemen this is part of it jared you mentioned with CU, some of these deeper spots on the depth chart, they're getting up and leaving. With other schools, some of the deeper parts on the depth chart, they want to find places to play. What a better place than CU with this probably the best, if not one of the best rushing attacks in the Pac-12, which is really going to open things up. And give me, find me one, just one offensive lineman in the country who doesn't want to run first. So these guys are going to love playing in, in, in Boulder, and I love it. Max Ray, Noah Fenske. Coming to make an impact on the offensive line. Blaine Toll, tight end. Okay. This is one, one place where CU is going to be deep for a long time. Brady Russell, obviously, coming back this year. I, I forget the name, but uh, we got a nice tight end out of Heritage, a four star, I think, keeping him here in state. They've gotten a few. They got Caleb Fourier. Exactly. Um, I'm not even naming a couple. Yeah, a couple of guys already on the roster. So the, the tight end situation with CU is looking very, very good. And this is something we talked about last season getting the middle of the field open back up, using those tight ends. 
Uh, Russell got hurt early on last year. What was that game two? Game yeah, three? Early, very yeah, early. Really but I we mean, saw the difference in the game. offense. So I'm excited for this tight end, Blaine Toll. And Jared, this is the difference. We talked about that four star from Heritage last year. I wish I could. I, Eric Olson. I think that was his name. That's yeah. right. Eric Olson. You got it. We talk about him, but this is the difference. He's going to take a couple of years. They may redshirt him. He may. S- Blaine Toll can come in and make an impact immediately. And he's from Arkansas. I should say that. Didn't mention that. All right, next name. This is going to be good for the secondary. And remember, losing Darian Rakestraw was a big deal for CU. He mentioned that last year. So, do you fill that spot with a youngster? No, they went out and got Robert Barnes from Oklahoma. And I know Oklahoma's defense, nothing necessarily to write home about, but Robert Barnes is big, fast, physical. He's the kind of guy who can fill in on CU's defense fine. Well, if you follow anything ESPN related, they're telling you the exact opposite, that all, all you see coming out of there is how great Oklahoma's defense well, is supposed to be I guess this I'm year. trying to say the perception is these Big sure. 12 defenses. Sure. You know, if you get a secondary player, but it's like, oh, great. Robert but. Barnes is a versatile guy. I think he's going to play kind of in that buff back type role that CU's utilized over the last few years, even when once Carl Durrell took over and changed a few things up there. Uh, I I think that uh, he will be kind of that in-the-box linebacker, nickel. But versatility, you mentioned. He can do a lot of different things, and that's exciting. Uh, Okay, let's get to a linebacker. I think that Ryan mentioned he's going to start. If not, he's going to compete. Jack Lamb. Yeah, he's got him uh, listed as a starter. Yeah, Jack Lamb from Notre Dame. So, (laughs) see you is going to have, we mentioned on offense, their rushing attack. And stay tuned, folks. Next couple of weeks, we're going to go really in-depth with some of the stuff offensively, defensively. But uh, I think that Colorado's linebacking core could be one of the best in the country. Phil Steele, who's pretty good at these kind of projections, has them the number seven linebacker core in the country. And I think, I mean, if you look at every team linebacker core, that's very good, obviously, right? And th- This incorporates outside linebacker, inside linebacker. CU is going to be very dangerous, that linebacker position. Jack Lamb from Notre Dame should fill in immediately. And last but certainly not least, JT Shrout competing for the starting quarterback position from Tennessee. And I thought, at least I don't want to speak for you guys, I thought it was clear. After last year, give the keys to Brendan Lewis. But you know what? This is a good situation to be in. This is exactly what I want to have happen for the Buffs. The whole idea of, hey, you got two quarterbacks, you don't have any. This isn't the NFL. This is college where uh, uh, where more players at one position like quarterback is a good thing. You want competition. And CU wants to probably run with their quarterbacks or at least use them outside the pocket. So injuries, things like that may come up, but JT Shroud transferred from Tennessee should be a fun quarterback. It should be interesting to see this battle play out because JT Shroud is a pro style quarterback. He doesn't have quite the athleticism uh, that that you're going to see. So I I, I think it could be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I think, Brandon Lewis was the guy that we all almost came away from that bowl game. Like, all right, yeah, we're excited about it. So it's kind of a bittersweet thing, actually, when I first heard he was transferred. I was like, oh. But to your point, this is what you need. This is how you build a great football team is two solid quarterbacks, duke it out through camp. The best one comes out. And guess what? If your team's not performing, if things don't go well in a very tough early schedule for the Buffs, I think you have the ability then to switch back and forth with quarterbacks if you need to. Like you said, different game in college, and I think because these guys bring different things to the table, you could absolutely use both quarterbacks throughout the game. But what matters is what gives CU the best chance to win, and that's what we all come back to. And I know Brennan Lewis has, has thought it was his time, and then he got pulled back, and is this his year? I want CU to win as many games as possible. And I know it's harsh, but sometimes that's how sports go. Like This is what competition and is all about. What 
do you have any reservation to the idea or, or do you put any stake in the idea that if Brendan Lewis doesn't win this job, maybe he's transferring out of here. Maybe you're losing that I guy. I mean, that's the game you have to play. Yep. And that's the tough part about being a college coach these days is these guys are getting up and leaving with no, you know, they're immediately eligible, many of them. And so it's just such a tough, and that's why it comes down to, you, to be a successful college coach, you don't have to just, you know, call plays well. You have to recruit well. You have to be good with dealing with the personalities. And you have to be good in situations like this, kind of knowing, like, is he going to respond well if, if he sits? Is it going to be something where he gets upset? Now, you don't want to make a decision based on are you going to make Brendan Lewis upset, but it is a balancing game. If you think both chance, or if you think JT Shrout makes the team, you know, 51% better than Brendan Lewis would, is it really worth it starting him over the long run? Would he make it 80% better? Because now it's a different story. So it's a whole balancing act. That's a great point, Jared. I would hope, <laughs> it's easy for me to say, I've been in a him my whole life, I would hope if Brendan Lewis loses the job, he would fight harder the next season and come but back in and today's want to help the Bucs win. We were just talking about it through this all this transfer portal. You can't even necessarily blame a guy. And, and again, these are guys taking advantage of the situation that's there. It's really no different than free agency in a professional it's, sport. It's going to be just like the, that. The, re, that, the reality is it's just different than what we've all become accustomed to. So inherently, we hate it. Right. We don't necessarily want our guys leaving for that, but it's it's the reality. And that's why I bring up that point because those are the types of things that you kind of almost have to watch out for as a coach. And how do you handle that with these types of guys, the right kind of guys that you can bring in to avoid those situations? Overall, though, I'm excited to see some of these transfers. You know, a couple linemen, tight end, obviously the quarterback, uh, a couple defenders. It's going to be nice to see them fill in. And really, I think that CU kind of got lucky because – Coaches can't always control what types of players are coming in. I heard an interview uh, on the Dan Patrick show earlier this week with Lane Kiffin, and he was talking about this, how the numbers don't match up. You know, sometimes based on what year it is, you may have 10 guys leave. Well, if you have 25 spots to fill and 10 guys leave, now you have 35 spots to fill, 25 of which can be filled with freshmen or scholarships. So are you now specifically bringing 10 guys in to fill those positions? Because you can't always dictate it's a heavy receiver year. It's a heavy linebacker year. It's a heavy defensive line year. So the numbers don't always match up. Sometimes you're going to get heavy one position and depleted in another. But uh, look, you want to stack talent up. That's what matters. So I'll, I'll be curious now as uh, you know these guys are being allowed to make money off of their likeness and, and those sorts of things, if you will see adjustments to – coaches being allowed to recruit guys while they're still on other teams because I know there's very, very strict limitations on those sorts of things. Mm. Unless they're given permission and they're in the transfer portal, you cannot talk to those guys at all. All right, should we get on to some schedule talk? Um, we're not going to go really you know, game by game or anything like that. Just a brief overview. Again, getting everyone's feet wet, getting you back into the field, talking some CU football and uh, the schedule this year. Well, not going to be easy. And to quantify, let you know how tough, Phil Steele has that ranked the ninth toughest schedule in college football. If my math's correct, that means there's 121 teams who have a harder or who have an easier schedule than CU and eight that have a more difficult schedule. They open up, obviously, their easiest game with UNC, the Bears, not the Tar Heels, the UNC Bears. And then they follow up the next week, September 11th, against Texas A&M at Empower Field. I just want to focus on these first two games real quick because I think opening up the year against UNC does no good for Colorado. I mean, it's fun for the state. It's cute to get two Colorado teams playing each other. 
I, it, I don't like it. It doesn't do anything for the buffs, and I actually feel the same way for CSU. It does CU no good, because really, the point of the non-conference schedule now is to start molding your national point of view. And I'd rather, honestly, have CU play either three games that are going to give them some challenges, like a Minnesota, like a Texas A&M, or just say, screw it, and play three UNCs. Make your mind up, because what happens is we open up against either UNC or CSU, some sorry team, and nationally, if the Buffs don't win by 30, it's a disappointment. Oh, well, they won 52-10. Good, they were supposed to. Oh, they only won 35-30. <laughs> Long year for the Buffs. There's nothing good that comes from this. And See, then, I think I totally disagree, especially with a young team when you're going to have a quarterback coming in who's not played for this team uh, primarily. If it ends up being Brandon Lewis, then obviously he's played a few snaps. But I think that a game like that is great for the Buffs where you just get the get your feet wet. It doesn't really matter what you do. If you lose to UNC, just kiss the season goodbye. Right. It doesn't matter okay. what you do but the rest of the year. But here's my point is I agree with you there if – CU decides they want to do three easy schools, and then that's fine. The problem is CU turns around the next week and plays the number seven no, the team in the country. The problem is they scheduled this in a time when <laughs> Texas A&M wasn't that good of a football team. So CU plays <laughs> UNC, one of the worst schools in football, and then they turn around the following week and play one of the best schools in football. That We've seen this come to a flaming you know, halting crash whenever CU's done this in the past. You got to get yourself ready. I would much rather see Minnesota, then Texas A&M, then UNC. Because Minnesota is, yeah, a tougher team, but you at least hit the ground running a little bit. It's a tougher game. Then you get ready for an A&M. And then if UNC's your third game, you already know who you are. You can beat the heck out of UNC, more like a bye week, worry about Pac-12. So I want to see them build. Can we just switch Minnesota and, and A&M? Let's build with it. That. Right? <laughs> I'm Each fine with that. Each a little tougher. But this, UNC and then A&M, I think what's going to happen, unfortunately, because I've seen it too many times before, not just with the buffs, CU's going to get out there. Hopefully win, I don't know, 48-10. And they're going to do what any human being would do. They're going to be satisfied. They're going to be happy. They're going to think, huh, that's what a win feels like. And then they're going to get out there with players twice that size. And they're going to be like, oh, wow, that's different. And it may be a, a, mo a self-esteem killer. It may be negative for this team to go through that, not just what's going to happen on the field and let's hope the buffs compete and stay in the game and who knows what can happen at altitude and all that stuff. We'll, we'll break the game down later. But right now, going from UNC to A&M, I've just seen too many times before in history, this doesn't work out. But either way, I love the fact that they're getting out there and playing some tough teams. I just wonder, are they going to be ready to go for that second week? Yeah, something that I see that uh, concerns me with the whole UNC than A&M is... You know, you go out there against UNC and, like you said, take care of your business 45 to 10. Whoever starts that game at quarterback isn't going to play the whole game. Now mm -hmm. say you have Good two point. guys come in and they both play well. Now you just confused yourself for Texas A&M. Yeah, that's very that's, true. See, I, I, I actually am not really that concerned about the transition from UNC to A&M. And if I'm being honest, it's because I don't think the game is going to go very well against A&M. 
it, it, I'm just be, being honest. And so coming the eternal optimist. What, 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 uh, what scares me though, what scares me though is an AM game not only being not very good, but being very bad. You go get your teeth kicked in against AM. Then how do you come back from that game and and have any confidence going into a game against Minnesota while at home? That's a tough team right, to play. Yeah. That is no slouch. And so I actually think Minnesota is a team on a very similar level to where CU is this year. And and I actually really like where CU's roster is at this year compared to the what you see have seen the last two or three years in a lot of aspects. But this schedule, the way it sets up, not only in the uh, the the non-conference schedule, but as you go through the conference schedule, I just the way it sets up. It's going to be a tough season for the Buffs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but, uh, you know, you mentioned it. Minnesota, right there on that same level. But I think that Texas A&M game is going to tell us a lot about CU. It is. And I'm not looking for a victory or anything like that. I'd love it. Love it. And we'll talk, like I said, ad nauseum about that game. But just, look, you know, make it a good game. Build that confidence and... and now I hope CU football, goes man, and back. wins that game, and then somebody <laughs> roasts me with that audio right well, there. Well, look, I mean, if they, <laughs> I hope. Obviously, <laughs> like when we say us. these things, we hope we're wrong. Yeah. When Tim Tebow got drafted by the Broncos, and I said this is the worst pick in history, I hope I'm wrong. I was being honest. Now I was right. You, you think know, Tim but. Tebow makes a roster this year? <laughs> I yeah, I think he makes the Jacksonville roster. I think he may be a, well, a just fairly productive player. Urban Meyer's his neighbor. Yeah. He's it's not going to go out and get his paper in That's the morning and see Tebow doing push-ups in the driveway. And Well, and Tebow's a great athlete. I actually think he can be a legitimate tight end. If he would have just done that 10 years ago, he I mean, he looks been great. really good. I wanted, he, they're just going to keep him in for like one jump pass this year. Yeah, he'll get a touchdown every pass. game. He'll be the, uh, the Taysom Hill for them. That's All what right. it'll be. Uh, CU's conference schedule open up on the road against Arizona State. And then we got USC at home, followed by Arizona. That little three-game stretch, and again, CU has a tough schedule entirely. You and know, again, reminding you, that's be. coming off of A&M, Minnesota. Then you hit the, that schedule. That's a rough month right uh, there. Yeah, exactly. Arizona State, USC. But then we do have the bye week between USC and Arizona. So uh, I do like that place there. Um, Arizona State, they're going through a lot of uh, – Team issues. Uh, what was it? Herm Edwards is in trouble for yeah, doing recruiting I, things I don't, during COVID. I think COVID. there's been some recruiting he issues. Was hosting there's COVID when, issues. Yeah, when there wasn't supposed to be any contact. He was so getting in contact. old score. If, if there's a positive, stay up on the rules. I think the earlier you can get Arizona State, the better. When sure. they're still kind of de- yeah, when they're still dealing with these distractions, the more they go and the more wins they get. That's going to be further and further in the rearview mirror. So the earlier you can play uh, Arizona State, the better. We've got in week four, our first Pac-12 game. I think that's great. USC mentioned that October 2nd. You know, going to be a tough game like always, but that is at home. That, that's the one I'm circling on the schedule right there. You got to freaking win that game. I'm sick of I mean, losing to USC. You get them at home. I think this is a game that you can win and prove that you belong in the discussion in the Pac-12 stuff. If you can win that game, that well, puts well, you especially, in contention. Especially because... You get Arizona State, then USC. And right now, preseason polls have those two teams at the top of the South. So if for some reason, see you couldn't both those games. Even, even one out of the chip, two yeah, is huge Narratives will bus. quickly change, exactly. All right, so after the Arizona game, uh, on the road at Cal, on the road at Oregon. Two different games. And look, Cal should be a little improved this year. Colorado should get that win at Cal. Oregon, different story, much better team. They should actually take a step forward this year. Uh, that's going to be a tough game in Eugene. So, you know, uh, two games in a row on the road there. I expect a lot more from the California game. And then uh, last four games of the season, Oregon State at home, at UCLA, Washington at home, and then at Utah. So definitely a tough schedule for the Buffs. And like we were saying before the show, 
even these Pac-12 opponents that CU is going to be playing are going to be better this year. Arizona State, we mentioned them. USC, I mean, they always have sky-high expectations, so right. let's just leave them out. But even uh, Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA, Washington, I think, is going to be the team to watch in the Pac-12 this year. I'm calling it right now. If a team leave, you know, advances from the Pac-12 and competes for a national championship, it will not be USC. It will be Washington. So Washington, I think, is going to be very good this year. bold statement. And uh, and then we end the year at Utah. Remember, that goes back and forth at the end of the uh, season. So I I look at the Pac-12 very similarly to what you've seen the last few years. I think there's going to be a lot of parity. I think there's going to be a lot of teams in the middle. And and if you can be a team that's over 500, you can get to eight wins, I really think that actually puts you in the conversation for the Pac-12 South. All right, let's do most important non-conference game and most important conference game. I'll go first. And I'm actually, for non-conference, I'm going to go A&M. Because even though that's not a must-win, I think we'll learn a lot about this team, even in a close game. If they go out there, fight their butts off, and end up coming away with a close loss, that's okay. We go out there, lose 48-0, to that's a different story. So I'm looking at that A&M game, most important non-conference game on the schedule. Most important conference game? I'm going to go Arizona State. First game of the of the season because Arizona State has such sky-high expectations. That's the way for CU to get themselves on the national radar. You start off 1-0 in the Pac-12, and based on what's happened before that, I think CU could really hit the ground running in conference play. So I think biggest Pac-12 game is their first Pac-12 game of uh, the schedule. What do you think biggest non-conference, biggest conference game, Jerry? Biggest non-conference for me is Minnesota, no doubt. I, I, as I mentioned, I, I am fully going into this game. I, I, I hope for the best for CU. I want to see them come out in, against A&M and play a good game. Maybe you go out and win that game. I'm not saying it's a game you can't win. I just don't expect it to happen. That already puts you at one and one. You go into conference play at one and two, and that is not where you want to be having to start against going at Arizona State and then you get USC. That is a slippery slope. All of a sudden, you could be one and four, and things can get out of hand in your season. So to me, that Minnesota game is what gets you back on track on on a semi-national level, at least a regional level, in a game that Minnesota is a well-respected team. I think you go get that win, and that'll be big for your program. And, and for your season and then I already mentioned it USC to me yeah. is the game that I am I'm circling there I think if you can and really it does come down to between that Arizona State game and that USC game I think you must win one of those games and to me it's the home game against USC I have to think that's going to end up being the Pac-12 after dark or whatever Pac-12 primetime game that they have I, I think that's a big one to win, and again, hopefully that puts you in a spot where you're, you know, sitting there at at two and two or three and one, and can be advancing into a winning season. And I want to repeat, you know, we love the audience, we love the interaction. Give us a follow on uh, Twitter at Buffs Podcast. But uh, I think that if you're looking for a podcast to get on here and, and say CU is going to go twelve and zero, we're going to win the Pac twelve, we're going to go to the. Fi- You've come to the wrong place. We try and be honest on here. You know, again, we've grown up football fan. You know, CU fans. My family's had season tickets back to the '60s, and I've just inherited them. And I've grown up. It's been a part of my my DNA, my blood. Those tickets are so nice. Oh man, I love them. But my point is, there's no there. It does nobody any good to pretend like it should be 12 and 0 we should run through USC run through AM. we want to be realistic on here and hopefully there's one day where we're being realistic and we're talking about running through every team and see you being one of the top teams in the nation and when that day comes 
listen in because there's not going to be a podcast giving to you more credit. But we want to be realistic, you know, and I think the fans and the audience appreciate that. But for the new listeners this year, I wanted to reiterate that we try and do our best to be as accurate and not hot take or anything like that. We just give our, our honest opinions on here. So, all right, Ryan, uh, biggest non uh, or biggest uh, uh Preseason? What should I say? Non-conference. Non-conference. There we go. Biggest and, non-conference and, and, game. And, and then just to add to that, uh, Tyler, uh, yeah. in full disclosure, I actually work for the university, and I'll still be, you know, yeah, yeah. I'll still be uh, unbiased. Be so. careful, because so when fired. they hear that, yeah, <laughs> you may just, no, hey, if they're listening to it, we've done something right. Exactly. But no, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Ryan even works for CU, and, and he, you know, he's, he's, he's tough on them. So, right, biggest, so biggest non-conference um, game, I'm, biggest Pac-12 game. I'm going to also go with Texas A&M. And uh, the big thing here, again, I do not um, foresee a win. Um, I'm looking for two things. That's um, keeping it close and getting out healthy for okay. uh, for Minnesota. Okay. And then I'm actually going to go a little bit farther down for the Pac-12 game. Um I'm going to go with UCLA. So UCLA is going to be coming off of their bye week when they play the Buffs. And look, UCLA gave us all we wanted, uh, all we wanted last year. Um, I think they, I think the Buffs jumped out to an early lead and then kind of we just got that could, pick. Remember the uh, Carson Wells picked off that screen pass. Yeah, yep. yeah. And, and well, and, and I, th- I think if that game, I'm pretty, if, if my memory serves me right, if that game lasted about five minutes longer, I'm not sure the Buffs I, win. Yeah, so, no, you're absolutely right. So I think Chip Kelly. He's got a good squad. Um, again, UCLA is coming off their bye week. It's in Los Angeles, and then that's coming off the heels of CU's homecoming against Oregon State. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, you just don't you don't want to see a letdown. And, and again, I think Chip Kelly's got a good thing going on in LA. A week before Washington as yeah. well, so that's that does does lead to to not paying much attention. I'll believe Chip Kelly when I see it, though. I just <laughs> seems to be a popular opinion. I'm looking right now at the depth chart. You know something that we haven't mentioned something I haven't read anywhere. No one's talking about, you know, one of the most exciting things on this team is Alex Fontenot coming back That's and he's right. going to be backup running back. I mean, remember That's last we'll year, see. we'll see about that. I think you may have a one, a one B situation. Well, exactly. Right now he's listed as the backup, but this is such a good situation for CU's running game. That's we haven't talked that, about Fontenot in a long time. That's something that Carl Durrell has talked about this off season is that the only reason that they were able to run Jarek Broussard as hard as they did last year is because they knew they only had a six or seven game season. So right. they knew he wasn't going 12 games so they could give him a whole seasons worth the carries over those six or seven yeah. games you, you cannot and do that did you mention uh, he had two acl tears before that sure yeah Remember, absolutely sorry he's so had i think issues. it's absolutely a great situation where these guys can be the yin and the yang plus you have a shot clayton and that we're gonna get there next right. week we'll get there but th- there's some depth at the skill positions for the buffs this yeah, year it's yeah. exciting it's fun next week we will have our entire full offensive preview for the buffs all right before we get out of here today obviously the big news in college football Texas and OU bolting the Big 12 heading for the SEC. Initial thoughts on Texas, Oklahoma leaving. You guys like it? You don't like it? What do you think? I like the ultimate direction it's going to take things. The interim in between is is awkward. It's like being on a date, breaking up with a girl, and staying through dinner, right? right. Like it's it's weird. And so I think you're going to see similar to what you saw. What was it, 2010, where uh, the whole shakeup happened and see you started moving or my way off on that date. Yeah, no, that's you, right. You guys look give me crazy looks. There. No, I'm giving you a crazy look because I'm wondering when you break up with someone, do you do it before the dinner? 
do you do it after the dinner? Well, you, you just either, said you, that you either do it sh- before and then well, you see, sit there for the rest of the dinner. Well, see, it depends on who you want to pay. Y- yeah. <laughs> right. I- I'm just saying, if I'm showing up knowing I'm breaking up with the girl, I'm going to break up before either of us order. Then, then why I'm, even I'm meet at out. dinner? Why not meet at like a coffee shop? Why would you take her to a dinner? I, I, get I, reservations, full disclosure, I haven't two, been on a date order in like <laughs> nine years. So. Just saying, it's not a good plan. <laughs> your, your, your analogies. I, was, I wasn't breaking up with that many girls, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> back to what I was yes. saying is is I think you're actually going to see a shakeup similar to what we saw in 2010. I don't think it's over. Um, I, I actually think it would be smart for the Pac-12 and the, uh, the Big Ten to be poaching uh, teams, whatever teams they want out of the Big 12, or the other thing that I think would be a smart thing to consider at least is a merger between the Pac-12, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten where you could then have a conglomerate that can actually keep up and possibly outdo the SEC. What would the name be? What would they... The, the Pac-20... Big Pac-24. Big Pac, right? Big Pac. The Big Pac. Yeah. I don't know. That'd don't be know. weird. But... Uh, and, and sounds like a, it sounds like a... a, a Size of a pack of gum that you would get. It's the big pack. <laughs> so, so the Pac-12 came out, said that in the Big 12, they don't want... I love how they say they don't want teams. It's like, hey, we don't want you guys. Like, Intent. <laughs> they said that they wanted Oklahoma State and Baylor. They did not want TCU and Texas Tech. And I guess that has to do with the markets or the money. But, I mean, what kind of a negligible difference are you dealing with with Baylor and TCU? I figure TCU would be a, a better market. Because isn't Fort... Uh, were they in Fort Knox, like right next to Dallas? Fort Knox? Or Fort, uh, what Fort is Worth. It? Fort Worth. Fort Worth. <laughs> Fort Worth, right next to Dallas, right? That's a pretty big market. Um, yeah, I guess that is interesting because especially, I mean, if you are looking in any way based off of the, the caliber of sports, I mean, at least from a football standpoint, I think you'd have to argue that TCU's been a better And that's going to be a big program. deal. For Pac-12, though, it's about academic. You know, every... Yeah. Uh, every there, there's some committee it's like the american academic committee or something like that and cu's on it and that's actually one of the reasons why i saw the big 10 would be looking at taking cu now let's get to this article um because obviously this is a buffs podcast so how does this affect colorado because texas oklahoma leaving that's one thing uh but there was an article on in the denver post that mentioned the possibility of this rippling to affect schools in colorado like cu and csu now i don't know about the other school I just mentioned, CSU, do they even have a football program anymore up there? <laughs> it, it actually humors me. The it's so that funny. You, they, they I mean, they, they in can. this article or elsewhere where they think that the Big 12 is going to go after them for Look, I've got a recommendation for CSU, okay? Just ditch the football program. It's embarrassing at this point. Just go, focus on swimming. They're right next to the mountains. What about uh, cross country, even skiing? Focus on other things you can do well. I'm just trying to help them, guys. I'm just trying to be <laughs> a nice guy. Get rid of the football program. Not only are they embarrassing themselves, they're kind of bringing everyone down with them, and they're embarrassing the entire state. They build a new stadium. They don't even have a football team to fill it. I was at a so, wedding this offseason in Fort Collins, and I mentioned to somebody that I was a CU fan, and I go to all the games. And unprompted, they go, "Hey, you guys are lucky that we're not playing you this year." <laughs> I'm just I, like, Dude, "You guys are delusional." Uh, I can't. Uh, if there's one reason why I like play them every year, it's just to beat the hell out of them and just shut those fans up. I did radio in Northern Colorado for about ten years, and it's the delusion that goes on up there is crazy. Anyway, how does this impact CU? Okay, I've heard now multiple published national reports saying that Colorado would be a good member of the Big Ten. 
bring CU into the Big Ten. And by the way, the uh, the association I was thinking of earlier, the Association of American Universities, is a collective uh, which is pretty much to academia what the SEC is to football. Okay, it's a powerhouse of an academic school. The only school right now in the Big Ten that's not a part of the Association of American Universities. You guys want to guess? Oh, it has to be Nebraska. Exactly. exactly. Nebraska's the black wow. eye in the Big Ten who can't. Iowa would have been my second <laughs> guess. Right? And that's like just offensive Nebraska, to man. everyone from Nebraska and <laughs> Iowa. I know. I know. But yeah, so Nebraska's the only school on that. So it's a big deal for the Big Ten schools to get CU on there because of the academic standings as well. So I, I'm not against that move. I honestly have never, as a fan, been happy with the, the situation seeing the buffs with, with the Pac-12. Now, I don't know what the numbers look like behind the scenes i have no idea what would benefit the buffs more obviously they have a better grasp on that than we would but as a fan the pac-12 is is nothing but a disaster and how they handle every situation now they are under new yeah, exactly. leadership i think we got to give it some time this yeah. new this new commissioner's changing things yeah, no doubt. with the re uh the the, the shifting i think of the joining the big 10 for the bus would instantly give them a level of credibility that they haven't had in you're probably right in the though and i would like the the competition more yeah i, mean, I just sure. think that they'd play better football you know um i, mean, I don't want to take it and honestly from, from a basketball standpoint i don't think yeah, the big 10 is really too. any different than the pac-12 on a year in and year out basis but again they may just be better you're yeah, right they, they're a little better so well, no, and then I it, it opens up your recruiting too to some of those you know corn fed mid midwest boys and um you know I, I think that would be interesting um you know with you know you asked about texas and oklahoma it's like i don't know i haven't really talked to anybody else who thinks of it like i do it's I just, I honestly couldn't care less, to be honest with you. Like once it be, once it comes to affect CU, perfect. I'm on board, and and you know we can you know, cross that bridge when it comes. But you know, I saw that news and I was like, no, okay. I think right. you bring up a good point that leads you down to like a, a deeper conversation with it is that with expanding the playoff. And the way that they have stated the rules with it, that just being in a Power 5 conference and being a champion doesn't guarantee you a spot in there. If you're a worse conference champion than other conference champions, you may not be in there. And, and, and the example is uh, Oregon last year would not have made it based on the rules. Right. So I think that's not a, it's not as important as it used to be to be an Oklahoma that dominates the Big 12 year in and year out and gives yourself that chance to do it. I think the level of competition and, and all that's going to play a bigger factor in years coming. The one thing we got to make sure that CU doesn't get caught behind anything. So yeah. that's the main thing is if there's all this change, if there's all the, and I think Rick George is doing a nice job of that. He's at least keeping his his ear out there, you know, making sure he's aware of what's going on in college football. He was actually interviewed uh, in this Denver Post article, and uh, Rick George quote here, it's all over the map. People are saying, well, Big Ten, this and that, and so it's really more of that. I don't know if, if concern is the issue. I just think that people really want to know what's going on. Again, everything out there is speculation. So my main takeaway is, as long as Rick George makes sure that CU doesn't get left behind with anything. If a couple other schools bolt, I want to make sure Colorado is one of the first schools to do so. So that's my main takeaway with this whole thing. But to overall, it's exciting to see the changes. So, all right, cool. Well, uh, thanks for joining us again, guys. It's our first show back this season. Uh, next week, we'll have a full offensive breakdown. Everything, A to Z, what can you expect from the line, receivers, backs, the quarterback situation. And uh, it's back. Football is... Well, it's almost back. The podcast's back, that's for sure. So, 
Appreciate you guys joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Bulls Nation Podcast. <laughs>